Well, haven't the last couple of sermons been amazing? Um, I've really loved the insights and the clarity that Andrew and Jerome have brought through their teaching uh, in these past weeks. And I'm really enjoying this series um, through the Gospel of Luke, exploring the whole gospel, going deep into what the whole gospel is and how we're applying it and living it out in our lives. Today, I hope, is another day uh, for you to be inspired by Jesus and empowered to step up in your relationship with him and how you express that in your life. So as we begin this morning, let me pray. Lord Jesus, as we read your word today, help us to see you in the fullness of your glory and respond with all our hearts and our lives. In your name and for your glory we pray. Amen. So the events that we've just heard about in our reading today inspire, I think, a level of faith that secures us in the face of forces that would seek to threaten and intimidate us. You know, in the context of our lives today, society is becoming an increasingly complex and challenging place, isn't it? With the dawning of the information era, where we are bombarded by thousands of messages every day, where constant comparison is at work in our psyches, accelerated by social media, which throws supposedly perfect lifestyles and images in our faces constantly, where the pace of change uh, kind of outstrips our capacity to adjust and keep up, where freedom of speech sometimes comes with a heavy price if it doesn't match the majority opinion where what people say and think of us can easily throw people into deep despair, where rates of anxiety and mental illness are on the rise across the world. I mean, the pressures in our society are huge today, aren't they? Uh, our most recent stats tell us that anxiety is the most common mental health condition in Australia, with one in five Aussies feeling anxious or depressed most, if not all, of the time. So in our congregation here of, say, maybe 100 people, that's 20 of us who are struggling with an intense anxiety on a typical day. And for kids and young people who are growing up in this cultural space, in this pressure, young people are saying that mental health is their number one, is their biggest issue that they're facing today. Although the official stacks a lagging anecdotal evidence is showing that mental health conditions like eating disorders, self-harm, anxiety, depression and suicidal ideation are all on the rise amongst young people today. Because the emotional and mental pressures in our culture today are huge. Let's face it, we've got to be pretty secure people to be able to cope people who know who they are, people who can hold on to themselves in the face of criticism and backlash, people who know and can hold on to what's really important to them, people who are anchored somehow and not fused to the flurry of the world around them. Edwin uh, Friedman, who was an ordained Jewish rabbi um, and a family therapist and a leadership consultant, 
Um, he talked about the idea of society becoming increasingly anxious and dominated by what he calls anxious emotional processes that constantly swirl about us. These anxious emotional processes are like a virus within the whole system that pulls people in unless, that is, they have a strong sense of self and can regulate their own emotions without reacting automatically to the intensity and the reactivity of others. This is what he calls holding a non-anxious presence. The reason I share this with you is because I think here in these two events that we've read about this morning, we see Jesus displaying this sort of presence, this sort of leadership. And I believe that in Jesus, in his non-anxious presence, is our key to be able to live and to stand and to lead within these anxious times. So firstly, let's look at this passage and what it tells us about Jesus. In verse 22, Jesus says to his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. Now, we probably don't know Israeli geography very well, but the disciples would have known that on the other side of the lake is Gentile territory. We only pick up on this when we read further on about a herd of pigs, which indicate that it's highly unlikely to be Jewish territory. So Jesus is intentionally stretching his disciples beyond their comfort zone. If they're going to follow him, if they're going to be his disciples, they're going to need to cope in situations and in spaces that are unfamiliar and uncomfortable. They're going to need to cope through heightened anxiety. So there's an intentionality and purpose going on here for Jesus as well. Because what we see in the very next chapter of Luke, in chapter 9, is that Jesus is going to send out his disciples on their first mission without him. So Jesus is preparing them for this. This is training ground. And so what unfolds in these events are critical lessons for the disciples. And what do we see happen? We see two incredibly confronting, life-threatening events unfold. One is a massive storm that swamps their boat and endangers their lives. And the other is a confrontation with a man possessed by a whole legion of demons. These are natural and spiritual forces that they encounter that oppose and threaten life. But what stands out to us more than the ferocity and the danger of these forces is Jesus' calm authority and power over them. Nowhere in these events is Jesus perturbed, worried or panicked. We see Jesus in control every step of the way. He doesn't join in the panic when the disciples wake him up and tell him they're going to drown. And he doesn't ever seem on the back foot when the possessed man confronts him. He carries a non-anxious presence through it all. And so what does he do? He reverses the chaos that confronts him. He rebukes the wind and the waves and turns the storm to utter calm. 
and he commands the demons to flee, liberating a man from demonic derangement to complete wholeness. Here we see Jesus confronting the cosmic and spiritual forces with what could have only been the very power of God. I mean, who else could do that? And that's exactly what the disciples say in verse 25. It says, in fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Even the winds and the seas, even the legions of demons and impure spirits, obey him. Recognize who he is and submit to his authority. And this is the key question for us in this passage, isn't it? Who is this? Who is this Jesus? Because if I can, if we can answer this question the way Luke wants us to, recognizing Jesus as one with God, as one with God's authority, as the Savior who can reverse the chaos of the seen and the unseen realms, then perhaps we can be brought out of panic and out of fear and into an unshakable, eternal security. But here's the irony. Sometimes people are too afraid to face the reality of who Jesus is. Look at verses 34 to 37. After the people heard the reports of the demoniac being delivered and a herd of pigs rushing into the sea, apparently overcome by the demons that had come out of the man, they come out to see for themselves, and we read, When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. You see, here's this beautiful picture of restored tranquility and dignity with the man clothed now, socializing in community where once he was completely isolated adoring Jesus and demonstrating wholeness of mind, but yet the people of the region are afraid. And this word for fear in the Greek is a strongly negative word. It's like they are the ones now who are seized with panic and are terrified by the presence of Jesus. You see, they recognize, but they can't accept the presence of God. Because the reality of who Jesus is and the invitation of the gospel strikes to the very core of our reality and our identity because it asks us, where is your security? Because if Jesus is the one with authority over all cosmic forces, over all natural and spiritual forces, then he's the ultimate Lord of all. This is a reality that we either run into or flee from. And if we run into it and come and sit at Jesus' feet, we are safe, eternally safe, because 
who Jesus is secures us. Who Jesus is secures us. He becomes the one who secures us in every storm, in every confrontation, in every threat and adversity and in all the chaos that we face. So just as Jesus asks his disciples, so he asks us, where is your faith? Is your faith overcome by the chaos and the anxiety swirling around you? Or is your faith fused with the person of Jesus, centred in the reality of who he is, and therefore secure in the face of anything the world throws at you? Where is your faith? A couple of weeks ago, uh, Jerome and Seth were advised that they have some major food chemical sensitivities. Most of you would know that Jerome's already on a pretty restricted diet, and Seth has been as well in recent months. And this news was just like adding a whole other layer of complexity to our lives and a whole other layer of restricted dietary requirements. In that first week, as I was trying to figure out what they're allowed to eat and, and manage the meals and shop for the right foods and all of that on top of the normal toing and froing of uh, midweek family life, it was feeling pretty intense, as you can imagine. <clears throat> and you could just get a uh, yeah, imagine how much anxiety was flying around our family that week. I was stressed. I was panicked. And when I get to that point, I tend to get prickly, like my prickles come out and I get grumpy and anger becomes my defense mechanism. But that week I'd also begun thinking about this sermon and this passage from Luke. And I recognized in myself, actually I recognized myself, sorry, in the disciples who came to Jesus in their panic saying, Jesus, I'm drowning here. That was me. That was me. And I felt like Jesus was directly speaking to me. Viv, where is your faith? Where's your faith, girl? <laughs> he reminded me that he's the one over the storm. And I felt like that question was calling me to not only put my trust in him through it, but to apply that faith, to step up in my faith, to respond to that storm, not with panic and frustration, but with the non-anxious presence of Christ. <clears throat> to clothe myself with him to clothe myself with the compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience of Jesus Christ as we read in Colossians 3.12. Pretty much the opposite of the automatic emotional state <laughs> that I was in. And so I leant into that. It wasn't easy, but I wasn't swallowed up by the stress. I was able to express compassion for Jerome and Seth instead of dwelling on my difficulties and the inconveniences I was experiencing. For me, God was asking me to exercise faith by adjusting my behaviour and my response to the storm and the stress around me. What's God asking you to adjust in your approach to life at the moment? 
Where is your faith being called forth in the way you respond to chaos? Where is he calling your faith into action? And this isn't about us trying to figure out how to have a non-anxious presence by ourselves, but about learning to be in Christ, centred in his presence moment to moment in our lives, learning to find ourselves in his reality, in his perspective, in his non-anxious presence. I want to come back to this last part of our passage, to this healed man who pleads to go with Jesus. This man who has come to know Jesus as his new master, his saviour, his friend and teacher. In verse 38, we read that he begged Jesus to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. What I want to highlight is that the security and the safety and the peace and the wholeness that Jesus gives is meant to be shared. Like receiving the gift of a footy, you can go and kick the ball around by yourself and practice your footy skills and become a better player with it. And it's a perfect gift on its own. But how much better is it when you have someone to kick it with? Same with the gospel. It's a perfect gift to you from God, but it's meant to be shared. You know, though we might want to cling to Jesus and stay with him in his presence, where it's comfortable and it's safe and where we find belonging and security, we are all called to go and tell others how much God has done for us, to carry Jesus' presence, his calm authority, his reality to the people in our lives and to bring the order and the rule of his kingdom to confronting scary and dark places. Because here we see Jesus sending a man who only hours earlier was completely dysfunctional and overcome with distortions and chaos, sending him back out to where chaos is still very real, perhaps back to that community that has just rejected Jesus, perhaps back to difficult or broken relationships but definitely to people and places very much in need of Jesus as well. Friends, just like he was preaching, uh, sorry, preparing his disciples for mission, Jesus is preparing us to carry his presence into our lives, into our social circles, our workplaces and our schools and unis, to be his people who will intentionally seek to influence the communities around us by his presence to be people who go and tell others what Jesus has done for us. And I know this might feel confronting and even make you feel intimidated and afraid, but fear can't be our excuse. In Romans 8.15, the Apostle Paul tells us that the spirit you received doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear again. And in 1 Timothy 1.7, he says, in fact, that the spirit God has given you isn't a spirit of fear or timidity, but what? A spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. 
Friends, we've got to keep living into Jesus' authority, living into who we are in him, accepted, chosen, called, even before we came into existence, called for these good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do, living into the reality that we've found under his authority because it's Jesus we proclaim, the creator and ruler over all, the one who makes spiritual forces of evil cower, the one who makes darkness tremble, the one whose name can never be overcome. And not everyone will respond. That's true. That's that's a reality. Look at Jesus. Look at all these people who wanted him to go away, who wanted nothing but to be away from his presence. One commentator writes that for Luke, the preference is not found in the opinion of the multitudes, but in one radically transformed life. Friends, how is God speaking to you today to prepare you for the purposes that he has for you? Where is your faith? Where is he calling your faith to step up? to rest in his lordship, to grow in his non-anxious presence in the face of intimidation. In Jesus, in his non-anxious presence is our key to be able to stand and live and lead within these anxious times. With Jesus, we have no reason to fear. With Jesus, we are secure. Amen.